This is our third and final podcast about the beautiful city of Florence and we might have just saved the best to last. But first, just to answer a question I've received many times about our arrival in Florence in episode 62. No, I still don't know why the guy said he was a sniper and what he was actually trying to say. If you don't know what I'm talking about, then go back and listen to the beginning of episode 62 and you'll understand. Still one of the funniest things that happened to us in Florence. Okay, back to episode 64, where we are taking you to my favourite palace in Florence, the Pity Palace. I know the name doesn't do it justice, as well as the beautiful Bobbly Gardens, which are a green oasis in the middle of the city. We had a guide named Carmela who showed us the most amazing galleries and the living quarters of the palace. There was a quirky artwork including butterflies and a dwarf plus the most paintings of Raphael anywhere in the world. Actually not of Raphael, by Raphael anywhere in the world. In fact, all the Ninja Turtles are represented at the palace. We learnt so much about the art and artists obviously as I'm still calling them Ninja Turtles and the beauty in this palace was stunning. Come with us as we walk around the 11 acres of the Bobbly Garden. Some of the best views of the city are from the top of the gardens. We are quite intrigued by the grottos, which look like lumps of plaster have been thrown against cave walls. But then you realise they're actually animals. Weird, but fascinating. Next, we go to a museum and an unusual type of art gallery that only the locals seem to know about, and it was incredible. It involves rare, semi-precious stones, and it is a technique that is only practised in Florence. Now, I need you to stay listening to the end to hear about the sport, if you can call it that, called Calcio Storico. We tell you about this game, which is a combination of rugby, martial arts, boxing, wrestling, and American football, just to name a few. It basically seems like a big brawl on a sand field involving 27 players on each side trying to score the most points. It actually dates back centuries, and even some popes played it in the Vatican City. It's a game unique to Florence and it's only played once a year in the annual tournament in June and involves four teams from the four classic neighbourhoods and the locals love it. Make sure to check out the show notes and pictures from this episode by clicking the link to episode 64 in the podcast description on the player you're listening to. And remember, if you know anyone planning a trip to Italy, then please send them to beachtravelwine.com forward slash Italy. Cheers. And welcome to the Beach Travel Wine podcast. We are your hosts, I'm Leanne. And I'm Lyle, and this is the travel podcast for beach-loving, wine-drinking couples over 50. So if that sounds like you, grab yourself a drink, sit back, relax and listen as we go travelling the world one wine at a time. Cheers. Good morning, Lyle, and welcome back to the Beach Travel Wine podcast studio. Ciao, baby. We are today are doing episode 64 when I'm 64, wanted to get that in. There's not every uh, song for every number. No, 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 and you're not quite there yet. <laughs> no, I'm not quite. A little way off, thank you. Uh, today is our, uh, as I said, episode 64, and we are getting straight into the third and final podcast about Florence. And I believe we have left the best to last. Well, it was my favourite anyway. I mean, I had so many favourites. Um, like the outside of the Duomo and just walking around the city and, you know, the, the food tour. But this one, the the Pity Palace and the Bobbly Gardens, was uh, my favourite. So just to give people an idea, we did go and check out uh, the Pity Palace because it's on the south side of the river. And uh, like I always do, I want to know where the, where the tour is, starts from. It's a bit hard to miss the Pity Palace. It was a pretty... Uh, bland 
building from the outside and what they've done out the front is they've basically just put this all this big you know driveway cement well it's basically a square it's called um the pity uh, piazza well, it's on a hill right so yeah you yeah can't sure really do anything there so it looks pretty imposing but still quite quite um bland doesn't it oh yeah but it's huge yeah huge. massive that's what i mean like all, all you can see is this big brick you know expanse or stone really okay start yeah big stones and then you get up a bit closer and there's big lines and things you know but from a distance it's just this big imposing building on the hill well know? we did check it out uh the day we went to the piazzale michelangelo, michelangelo. We so yeah. we had a fairly yeah. good idea where it was so I, I did book a tour for both the uh the pity palace and bobbly gardens now um it was just sort of a package deal and uh, we we arrived early. It was it was I think it was nine fifteen was our tour, and uh, we got there probably about quarter to nine, and there was no one else there, you know. And you could actually go and buy your own tickets to get in. Yeah. And and you you did there was no lineup. I mean, compared to everywhere else we'd been, this was probably the the least um, you know busy site you know to visit and. As I said, it was it was one of my favourites. But anyway, me raving on about the Pity Palace and how good it is, um, how much I enjoyed it. Let's let's get some history on it first. Okay, the palace has twenty eight rooms and is divided into five museums. There's the treasury of the Grand Duke, mm-hmm. the treasury of Russian icons, with the Palatine Chapel on the ground floor, the Palatine Gallery, and the Imperial and Royal Apartments on the first floor. The Gallery of Modern Art and the Museum of Costume and Fashion on the second floor. Mm -hmm. The core of the current palace dates back to 1458 and was originally the town residence of Luca Pitti, a Florentine banker. The palace was bought by the Medici family in 1549 and became the chief residence of the ruling families of the Grand Dukes of Tuscany. Mm -hmm. In the late 18th century, the Palazzo was used as a power base by Napoleon and later served for a brief period as the principal royal palace of the newly united Italy. The palace and its contents were donated to the Italian people by King Ludwig Victor Emmanuel III in 1999. Well, and we also found out that uh, Caesar's sister lived there for some time as well, you know, and apparently... Napoleon, sorry, Napoleon. I was going to say, yeah, sorry. sorry. I thought, hang on, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> yeah, no, no, yeah but Napoleon's sister, that's yeah, right, that's yeah. correct. So we had a guide, um, Camilla, who I'm so glad we had a guide because, you know, you just read through all that, all of the, you know, the rooms and the, you, there's just no way you could do it all on your own, I don't I don't think. Well, you certainly wouldn't have as, as good an experience without the guide. And I have to say, Camilla was probably the best guide we had. And to be fair, I like, she looked a bit like a librarian and I'm like, oh, she'll probably, you know, just rattle off facts. But she was funny. She was entertaining. She, she uh, was, she included everybody and she just gave out the best information. And I left this tour with a real appreciation of um, art that I didn't have and wanting to know more about the artist she just had that way of um imparting knowledge yeah oh look i think you're right i think and and when you say she was the best she was the best amongst a lot of very good oh sure sure yes that's true yeah yeah but i really enjoyed 
expert commentary on, on everything. Yeah. So is there any more history you want to put in there before we, we talk? Well, about I just we I suppose ideally we'd say that, look, it's open every day from 8.15 to 6.30 and closed on Sundays. Yes. So if you go anytime between 8 and 9, you'll be the first ones there. Correct. Uh, free. It's free every first Sunday of every month although you still need a ticket at the Ticket Ox. Right. Uh, the combined with the Pity Palace and the Bobbly Gardens, uh, the cost is €23. Euro. Okay. Now, I'll put a link to the tour that we did uh, in, the, in the show notes at beachtravelwine.com, um, and this is episode 64. Um, yes, so I will do that. All right, well, let's do a bit of a walk through the, the Pity Palace and um, some of the places that, that, that we saw and other places that, you know, we we, um, we want to tell people about in this beautiful palace, yeah? Yeah, look, there's um, it's so big. I mean, it's huge. So Camilla, um, Carmela. Carmela never yes. took us to all the... the, the no, uh, she didn't. The, uh, what, is, what did I say? I think the it was different rooms. 28 rooms. Yeah. Um, we saw a lot, though. We did see a lot. Look, yeah. the Treasury Grand Duke yes. comprises a vast collection of objects in gold, silver, crystal and ivory, as well as a selection of cameos and jewellery owned, jewelry, sorry, yeah. owned by the Medici family. And there's some really fascinating pieces in that, you know, like, um, as you said, with, with the, the gold and silver and crystal and, you know, like... And the way they carved the ivory and stuff was just just beautiful, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, the treasury of the Russian icons is on the first floor as well. Yeah, has an extensive collection of over four hundred Russian icons, stroke paintings. Yeah, so what it is, it's a, a sort of a dark sort of room, as in you know, like the the paintings are quite dark. They're basically dark brown, black, red, and and um, you know, like the old fashioned. Um, they're not three-dimensional. They're, they're uh, two-dimensional paintings with, with mostly, you know, like figure faces and figures of, of um, as you said, the Russian icons. So yeah, they, they're, well, they're very, very religious. Yes. They look bloody old. They, yeah, they really, really look old. Yes. And they're from the 14th to the 19th century. Yeah. But they, they're, they're very religious and they appear to be a lot of panel paintings. Yes, that's right, um, yeah. Yeah. So, and you sort of walk through that, and it's a bit, um, well, not eerie, but uh, yeah, quite, quite. Um, it's not, a, it's not a light feeling in the air when you walk. No, through but that. in the centre of you've got that beautiful statue yeah. of Venus, I think it is. Yeah, she's beautiful. Um, then uh, the highlights of the Palatine Chapel. Now, there, it's located on the first floor, ex- yeah. accessed. Accessed yeah. by a grand staircase. You remember yeah, that? That was beautiful. beautiful. Big staircase, and the chapel's not big, and it's got the beautiful frescoes all along the wall and on the ceiling, and there's like sculptures along the wall as well. You know, um, I you know I'd say plaster, but they're probably not. <laughs> um, and then the, the pews. yeah, it's Stucco, it's Stucco. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then and then then the pews. And um, and what about the altar up the front? Yeah, look, uh, it's just, it's stunning. It's yeah. stunning. It's uh, an altar made of precious stones mm. and adorned with beautiful sculptures. And the ceiling uh, features a beautiful painting of the Assumption of the Virgin Mary. Yeah, it is. So, and that's just mind blowing. So, look, what what would you expect from the Medici's in their private chapel? Now, the altar when you said 
precious stone. We're going to be talking about precious stone in a little while, but this the stone in that was the the sort of standout color to me was that that blue, which is uh, called lapis. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And um, it's it's one of the most expensive um, stones that you can find because it's um, not found everywhere as well. So that's one of the, one of the things I learned about that. But yeah, we're going to talk. At, there's another room with a big table in it. We're going to chat about in a minute, aren't we? Sure. So where do we go next? Uh, we the Palantine the Gallery and the Imperial Apartments. So you walk through the the apartments, um, and they're uh i just when when you say the apartments i think green and and lush and you know the the apartments have views down over the courtyard and up over the bobbly gardens and there's one room that just has the the perfect view like it's just yeah it's like symmetrical beautiful the greenery and but the room itself has beautiful um and i'm saying bottle green like long flowing curtains and the the chairs you know are upholstered and with you know gold trimming and and then of course there's all the artwork as well in in these rooms and the furniture is you know the timber work and the furniture it's just um just beautiful but I have got pictures of you know what we're talking about so if you go to um our website at beachtravelwine.com and this is episode 54 to see the pictures of the the pity palace I call it um, but also on Instagram, if you go to Instagram, Beach Travel Wine, uh, the story highlights and go to Florence, you will see videos of the day that we were there and, and you know, all through the Pitti Palace and um, as I'm gonna, we're going to talk about in a little while, the Bobbly Garden. So, yeah, I just didn't want people to miss out on seeing that stuff. So, sorry, yeah. go on. Yes. Now, <laughs> uh, the, these particular the, these apartments were basically decorated um, by the Hatsburg-Lorraine family. And they uh, were founded uh, at the end of the 18th century. There's 500 masterpieces in the sem- uh, ceremonial rooms mm. chosen from the main Medici, Medici collection. Includes the largest concentrations of paintings by Raphael in the world. Yeah. So basically, this whole palace has, I don't know, it's got more artwork than the Ifusi Palace, you know, uh, I think you know, and it's more seems more accessible. You can get there's there's rooms and rooms full of from from all the artists, right? Yeah, well, look, you've got works by Titian, uh, Caravaggio, and Rubens. My favourite, and I know I'm a sucker for Caravaggio, but there's a fabulous painting of the Sleeping Cupid. Yeah, I've got a photo of that because I think when um, Carmela explained to us about um, Caravaggio and um, how he, um, well, you said in an earlier podcast that he he was sort of um, what was the word like the the um, modern artist, you know? Yeah, 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 he, yeah. yeah. Found the modern art. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But what he did in the in his paintings, which made him so famous, is he uh, painted with light and shadow. Yeah. Remember, and yep. that painting of Cupid is all you can see of the wing is just like a little bit of the outline. That's, That's right. All you can see, but if you, when you look at the painting, you can't see the wing, but you can, you know, because somehow he's painted it so you you know the wings there, but you can't see it all because he's lying in a dark sort of spot with the light just shining on the tip of it. Yeah. Yeah. Was, apparently, what he used to do is he used yeah. to get bricks and he to stop the light uh, to yes. well, sorry, no, to allow the light to come through. 
So that's why but not, the, not all the light. So we block some of it out. Yeah. So that's where the light and the shade come in, and it's like it's brilliant. But uh, look, the other side of it too is you know the paintings in the lavish frames. My goodness, entirely, oh. and they entirely cover the the room, the walls, which, yeah, from which, floor to ceiling. Yeah, and and then you, then on top of that, you've got the sculptures, the vases, the tables with the semi. Uh, the precious stone. stones. Um, the other thing about the, the frames of these paintings is each one has a label of what the painting's called and who painted it, which I, you know, I, I really like that. And you can see that some of those paintings, I've picked out a few of my favourites and put them um, on our in the show notes and the blog post that goes with this. But also what they did is some of the frames, they actually had them so they pivoted a bit, you know, that like some, yeah. some yeah, so that... When you know you were walking through, you you got the light on them, so you got the best view of of the paintings. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other side of that too is that they do they pivot them also to protect them from the from sun. The sun. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, probably the one of the oh funny. Um, I'm not sure whether funny is the right word, but um, there is a painting. It's called the Portrait of the Dwarf, and this is probably a uh, what do they call it? A spoiler alert, or whatever you call it. Oh, is what it? do you call it? Trigger <laughs> warning. Um, yeah, well, the portrait of the dwarf is uh, was in fifteen fifty two, and it's right in the middle of this room. You walk in, and it's sort of freestanding in a big glass frame, and it hits you in the face because not not because it's like a you know a, a picture of a dwarf that it's actually a naked dwarf, um, and there's butterflies all around. <laughs> yeah. And and you go oh well, there's but there's two butterflies in one particular area, right? Yes, yes. And, so. and you go, oh my gosh, that's um yeah. And and Carmela said, yeah, oh my gosh, is 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 right. And then she gave us the the history of, of the painting because it won a competition, right? Well, basically, or it's a, a bet a, or a challenge or yeah. something. There was a double sided painting offering front and back views hmm. on either side of the canvas. It was It was commissioned by Bronzino, Bronzino, by mm -hmm. Cosimo. It portrays Morganti on both sides as a bird catcher as he was not permitted to hunt bigger game. A rare swallowtail butterfly covers his genitals. Bronzino was involved in a debate, oh, debate. laid down by Giorgio Vasari called Paragone. Sculpture versus painting. Because? He painted his two-sided front yeah. and back portrait of Morganti to retort the argument that the subject could be seen from more angles in sculpture. Right. And also that you could show movement um, as well and also um, like time, time frame, you know. So he's going hunting in the front. That's and right. at the back, he's actually got the bird. So it, it there's like a, yeah, so it was about this guy saying, you can't show that in a painting. And he's saying, well, you know what? Yes, I can. And the, the painting, I've got pictures of it. It's, you know, it catches your uh, attention, that's for sure, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I forgot about that that part of the time frame, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and yeah, yeah. So in other words, yeah, a sculpture can't do that. Yeah, look what I can do. So. Yeah, so yeah, look, it was uh, it was impressive, really. So he won the uh, the debate, didn't he? Anyway, go and have a look for yourself, see what you think. I think they're probably still arguing. As we're walking around looking at all these 
paintings and, and artworks of the, the masters and hearing the funny stories about them and Carmela's, you know, giving us, you know, some fabulous information that, you know, I just learnt so much. Um, then, then we headed into the Gallery of Modern Art, didn't we? Yeah. This exhibits a collection of paintings and sculptures dating from the beginning of the 18th to the 1930s. Mm. Is that where the one where the Pope had himself painted so he could send a picture to someone's wedding because he couldn't go to the wedding yeah, anymore? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, I think <laughs> and so. And he, he wanted to be at the wedding, so he was so narcissistic. He said, well, yeah. here, I can't be there, but here you have this massive big portrait of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's I, the one. Yeah, yeah. I've got a picture of that one there too. And I think the artist put himself in that painting, but I'm not sure. It could, like, there's, anyway, they, the artists had a habit of doing that, didn't they? Yeah. Depicting themselves as a self-portrait somewhere in in those paintings but that's a that's a great big one you know they they all sound the same but they're not they're just yeah you just find and some of the sculptures there's one of the sculptures that Carmela particularly liked and I did too and it just the the, um oh that's right yeah that was it was that Venus anyway it was it was a beautiful woman and her hair just you know like it showed little ringlets and it was her skin was so soft and they said they put something on the marble to make it looked look soft before you know as they were carving it or something I don't know it was pretty pretty magical i yeah, I, you could walk around there and, and see a new picture every time. And that's what Carmela said she does. Sometimes she just goes and stands in a different angle in a room and she sees something completely different. Yeah, yeah. yeah she made me love it. Yeah, yeah. look, it, it certainly gives you a, um, a greater appreciation of what these sure. masters did. And then it's all in the, you know, obviously the, the lavish, beautiful, plush rooms of, of the palace and, you know, and that. And, and then... There was a bit added a bit later when the Austrians had it. Um, yeah, so you've yeah, so you've gone from the the Medici's and then you've gone you've mm-hmm. had the Habsburgs and the Lorraine family, and now we're with the 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 Austrians, which was Peter Leopold of Austria, and uh, I think this was Land's favourite. Oh, room. it just was so impressive because it uh, it was I wasn't expecting. It. It's called the White Room, and it is everything's white and it's geometric patterns. And it was set up for a concert. There was a, um, a grand piano up the front. Yeah. And, but the thing that was impressive was all the there's beautiful mirrors all along the you know the walls, and then the chandeliers. Yeah. Look, it's it's the ballroom of the palace. Ah, okay, um, yes. It's the biggest room in the palace. Yes. Um, okay, I'll give you the spiel. Yes, give me the spiel. The record, the record. Decorative <laughs> setting with its extremely modern, clean geometric style was enriched with the sumptuous mirrors coming from Paris and the chandeliers purchased in 1785. Mm. Um, and they were placed to provide a symmetrical division of space and light, a larger one in the centre and 10 on the sides of the room. Mm-hmm. Look, it, it it blows your mind. Yeah, it beautiful. really is the most beautiful room. It's you know, um, it's, it's a, not as big as the the, no, the wow. one in Versailles, the the, 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 the Hall of Mirrors. No, the Hall of Mirrors. Um, it's beautiful, and there was no one else there. <laughs> you and know, like, well, it's become famous now for the Pity Palace fashion parades. Sure, like okay. it's it's world renowned in the fashion industry. Anyway, it's got some beautiful pics of that with this. Um, uh, if you click on the show notes in um, the player that you're in, and, and it'll take you to the episode 64 show notes where the pictures are, and you'll see that. So, so that was we had a break after that. Well, and, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, yes. Um, 
Well, we didn't just get to, to see mention it. Yes. the Museum of the Costume and Fashion. That was closed, yeah. uh, unfortunately. Uh, but the, the collection consists of clothes and fashion accessories, as well as underwear, jewelry, and costume jewelry dating back from the 18th century to today. Okay, that would be, yeah, it would have been nice to see that. But anyway, we then headed down into the little, not the little courtyard, the big courtyard area um, of, of the Pity Palace. And they've got a cafe there. Yep. Um, which is beautiful, yeah. Oh, look, you know, like everything in, in the, 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 the palace, it was amazing. Look, it wasn't that expensive no. by any stretch of the imagination. No. The coffee, like all the coffee in really? Italy, was perfect. And yeah. I think we just had a, uh, a bagel, I think oh, we did. Oh. with, um, and, it was, and it was actually, you know. Cheap. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so we did that and then we were meeting Carmela and our group again um, and we were heading up into the Bobbly Gardens. Do you know why it's called Bobbly Gardens? Uh, sort of, but okay. no, go I on, you I, tell I, me. No, I don't oh, know. I think it's... Um, I assume, obviously, Mr. Bobbly had something to do with it. Yeah, well, the guy that actually owned the land before Pity, his name was something like Bobbly. Okay, well, let's say his name was Bobbly. Yeah. That makes sense then, doesn't it? Yeah. The so, Bobbly Garden. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so as you leave the courtyard, you head up this big, wide um, ramp, and the ramp's got um, little raised, um, you know, bits all the way across it. So, you know, every sort of 30, 40 centimetres. And they apparently um, were because that's how the animals didn't slide back down, you know, so it was, you know, where the horses went up and that sort of stuff. And the first thing you see when you get up the top of the, the ramp is you look back towards the Pity Palace and there's a um, like a geometrical hedge, hedge garden, you know, which is um, stunning. And then you turn around and you look up the up over the gardens and it's up on a side of a hill basically isn't it and it's um geometrical or symmetrical yep. and um the f- well, the first thing you see is like like in the distance is a is a statue and something else gardens and then you see this big in front of you this big um egyptian obelisk yeah yep um and next to the egyptian obelisk is this massive granite bath like huge yeah yep one piece of granite. Yep, yep. The Egyptian obelisk originally, it was originally from Luxor. It was bought from mm-hmm. Egypt, Egypt yep. for, for, to here. Yep. The bars of Caracalla uh, was from Rome. It's mm. huge granite bar yeah, and, and it's all in one piece. How the hell they got it there well, has got what, me yeah, tossed. Kamala said, and it's, uh, sorry, Camilla said too, but she... Um, also said there's quite a few of them around um, uh, Florence, which there is, yeah. And we saw some in Rome as well, didn't we? Yeah. So, um, yeah, so then we, um, you know, we started on our little um, walk around the gardens. If you've listened to any previous podcasts, um, and, of course, you have, why wouldn't you, uh, you will know that I am a lover of gardens and every city we go to I like to find a nice garden. So I was really excited about going into the, the Bobbly Gardens. So, um there's, a, there's the, sort of the main um, path right up the middle and, you know, you, you follow that. But Carmela took us to a little secret track, which I thought was really nice, where we, instead of going up all the steps like like the other people were, we sort of um, meandered in and out. like a, It was like a little secret passage and you, you could hear the birds and you would not know that you're in the middle of um, Florence. It was, it was yeah, I, I loved that. And um, I've got a video of that in our story highlights. And 
you sort of uh, weave your, your way and you, and you come out sort of halfway up and you're at the the pond with the fountain. There's a fountain there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's the Fountain of Neptune. Yes. Now, the it wasn't Ro- The Roman god of the sea. Yeah, it wasn't working. They're having some water issues, but there's obviously the fountain's still there and the pond's still there with the ducks and things in it. So it was pretty impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, and there's another fountain, yep. and that's the Del Bigino is uh, a 1560 sculpture by uh, Chioli featuring a statue in the likeness of the famed dwarf from the court of Cosimo I, uh, modelled after the Bacchus, which is the god of wine, and riding a tortoise. So obviously they had a sense of humour. Yeah. And then Carmela asked us where we up for um, going up to the top to where the statue was, and uh, we all want, of course we wanted to do that, so... Um, who was that statue of? Do you do you know the big one at the top that we we went up to look at? I can't remember who it was, but it was um, pretty uh, pretty impressive, obviously. And um, behind the statue was um, a, the garden right at the top. Now it was almost a secret little garden, but it's it, it's it was full of roses and cottage flowers, and there's a villa up there, and there's little gravel walkways to walk around and when you go to the edge of that garden all you can see are the rolling Tuscan hills you know and it was that was my favorite part of the garden it was just beautiful and I've got some beautiful photos of the views and things um from up there uh and you know then you turn around and you look back down over the you know down towards the palace and I've got some beautiful photos of of the views there and walking through the gardens you, you can get glimpses of the um, bell tower at the Duomo and also the dome of the Duomo and I've got some some pretty cool photos of that and then there's sort of some modern art now you you had some information about that big head you know the the, the um yeah the, I've got it it's yeah. a hard one it's a Tindaro <laughs> Screpolato uh is a huge bronze statue of the head mm. by sculptor Igor Mitori and how can I describe it? It's all—it's almost like the half a head. Oh yeah, it's half a head, but it, it's meters tall. Yeah, it's huge. And but it's almost like what the the artist has done is the 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 parts of his face, the eyes, the nose, the, you know, everything is. It's almost like it's been shattered, and the artist has put it back together. Okay, good description. Yeah, but. It hasn't got a the top of its head, and if you look at it from a distance and check, go and check out the photo. It looks like the tree behind is actually part of the hair. Oh, okay. I didn't yeah. notice that. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, you'll oh, have to go to the show well, you're notes. You're a clever girl. You'll have to go to the show notes for episode sixty-four and have a look at that. I thought that was really, really clever. And then, you know, there's the uh, another rose garden and and an archway which follows a, a road sort of down the side of the hill and and uh, that was like the gate to the city uh, or to Rome. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Like, that's so right. Sort of like a little arc de triomphe down there that you can you can walk through. Um, so and then so we just sort of wandered around and just really enjoyed the views and the gardens. But then there's also some grottos. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I got some really interesting photos of those um, yeah you've yeah. got um, one talenti grotto was built with limestone concrete stalactite shells and terracotta reliefs with water running down the walls and then there's the uh one as you walk out yes 
It's the grotto of the Madama. It's uh, 1553 to 1555. Creates a natural environment populated by mysterious stone beings and animals. Yeah. It was weird. It was. Well, yes, and there's, there's pictures of that. And the more you look at that, the more you think, oh, hang on, that's a that's a goat. And, um, oh, hang yeah. on, that's a person. Oh, that's a tree. Like it was... <laughs> it was, yeah, it was weird. It, when you first look at it, it looks like this big pile of plaster that someone's just thrown at a, a cave and then you start to see all the different images that sort of come 3D to you. So um, a bit like one of those magic eye books. So, yeah, I've got some some nice some nice photos um, of, of that as well. And as, as you're leaving the, um, uh, the gardens, as, that's when you get some nice views down over the city and, and over the, the, the cathedral as well. It was beautiful, wasn't it? Look, the Bubbly Gardens are a spectacular example of green architecture decorated with sculptures and the prototypes which inspired many European royal gardens, in particular the Gardens of Versailles. Look, it's unbelievable. 111 acres, I think you said. Sure, yeah, 111 acres or 45,000 square metres. So it it was big and you... uh, I would have liked to have spent more time there, but, you know, you've got to keep moving on, don't you? Yeah, look, yeah. it's uh, six euro per adult yep. or, uh, and uh, online tickets are nine euro. Uh, it's open from 8.15 to uh, – depends on the, uh, yeah. the season, actually. Yeah, of course. Yeah, look, it's it's beautiful. Really nice. So definitely worth going to see when you're in Florence – you know, add the Pity Palace and the Bobbly Gardens because you will not be disappointed. While we were walking around uh, the Pity Palace, we came across a few uh, uh, items, displays. Tabletops. Ta- well, but there was the, the altar, Yep. you know, as well, and there was a vase as well and there's some furniture as well. But the thing that stood out to us um, was the big round table and on top of this table... It was covered in bright flowers mm. and uh, it looked like it had been painted but in not in pastel colours, you know. They were vibrant is the word I'm looking for. And, you know, it was beautiful uh, and we were just, you know, looking at it. And then Carmela said to us, this is our guide, that isn't paint. That is all made of stone. And we were just like, what do you mean? And she said told us a little bit about it how it's like mosaic and they cut the stone out precious stone or semi-precious stone and they put it in to make those pictures now the thing about it is it wasn't just like a yellow flower made out of yellow stone it was it had shading and light and so they actually get parts of stone that pick it out that you know show the contour of it but it's not contoured it's flat and it's just one piece of stone or like little bits of stone are put together so we were that yeah, it fa- does. It looks three dimensional. Yeah, yeah. So we were that fascinated, and she and she was, you know, uh, very impressed with what we'd seen so far. And she said, "Look, if you like that, there is a museum that nobody goes to. It's right next to the Academia where David is, and they have a collection of, um, you know, uh, things made out of this stone. And they also have um, upstairs a workshop where you see actually how things are made, right?" And so we went there, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We did. It was the, It's called the Museo del Opificio della Pietre Dure. Well it's, done. Yeah, it's open from 8.15 to 2 p.m., closed Sunday. Uh, the entry is €6. Uh, Euro. It was founded in 1882. 
It's uh, basically, as Leanne said, it's a workshop for semi-precious stones. It's a global leader in art restoration. There's only basically two recognised mm. as the global leaders. And we, we, it was a Saturday that we went. Yep. And we didn't realise it closed at two. Well, I think we got there at one. Yeah. And we, we were leaving on the Monday, so it was the only chance we had to go. But they let us stay until we were finished. They were really, really nice about that. Yeah, then there was no well, no, I think there was two other people. Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I'll give you the deal uh, on the history. The origin of the Pietra Dura technique is in ancient traces back to the Roman method, method for yeah. inlaying stones. Yeah. In classical times, they mainly used soft stones, but in the 16th century Florence, the technique became more elaborate and Precise. From the second half of the 16th century, makers began to prefer hard stones, which were more precious and lavish. Now, if you, um, I mean, you think, oh, big deal, stones. But go and have a look at the show notes. Look at the pictures I took and you, you'll be, you, you won't know that they're stones. And they used to, like, take a picture, like, a, a, you know, and this is the what, you know, what some of them did. I mean, some of them obviously made their own designs. But you can see the difference between the painting and then what they do is they find all these stones that match the curves and the light and the darkness and the movement and they, they cut them and make them into the picture. It's, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, look, it's, it is. It's, uh, it's incredible. And as Leanne said, we, we had seen, um, I think it was called, I know what it's called. Yeah, the table. The port of... Uh, the yes. view of the port of Livano, and that was in the tribunal room at the Afusi Palace. Okay. Now, that the tribunal room is where the Medici's put all their best art, yeah. and that was there. Mm. And so we'd seen that, and we'd also seen, as you said, the, the tabletop mm. at the Petty Palace. Petty Palace. Yeah. So we were basically intrigued. Mm. And, and so we went, um, now, what is Petra Dura? Uh, is mosaic. Yeah. Any of several kinds of hard stones used in commercial mosaic work and art that flourished in Florence and involved the fashioning of highly illusionistic pictures out of cut-to-shape pieces of coloured stone. Now, some of these stones you can only get in some places. Like they, they have actually a fireplace there. Um, yep. And, and it's green it's my favorite and uh, you can only get that in siberia yeah yeah that's correct that's yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, i've got that listed somewhere yeah um look and there's there's two styles of the um the of mosaics the of. mosaics i suppose yeah. there's there's the the precious stone one and there's also what they call is the scagliolo yes scagliolo yeah. Which consists of <laughs> that's what they're really called. I'm not sure. Okay, but anyway, scagli olo, yeah, there consists of pouring variously coloured liquid gesso uh, into a hollowed cavity in a previously pre-prepared gesso layer. So the final yeah. polishing and the uh, composition with the aid of animal glue, which basically yeah. holds it all together basically gives a similar effect to the stone so it's a little inlay. a little bit cheaty. A little bit cheaty, but, yeah, so they're basically like just... Resin sort of yeah, stuff. The yeah, the gesso is what they uh, used to, I suppose, stop the paint from spreading through the canvas yeah. and that sort of thing. And uh, obviously the animal uh, glue 
holds it all together. Mm. But, I, you know, i got to say, what we saw of that was pretty damn spectacular as well. But that's a bit, I thought that was a bit cheating. Uh, yeah, okay, so we've got the fireplace, yeah. okay, yeah. which you were talking about before, yes. was made from chrome mm. diopside, mm. only mined outside eastern Siberia. Yeah. This gem is often referred to as the Russian emerald. So you can only get that green stone there. Yeah. So and imagine I'll, I'll, what So check out be. the picture of that. Go to the show note links and go, go and have a look. Now, so that's all down the bottom, and it's not a big area, but, you know, it, it's, it's got painting. It's got some paintings and then it's got um, the stone replica. It's got tables. It's got furniture. Uh, it's got little pictures of birds and there's some beautiful pictures of shells and, like, you'd, you'd just be blown away to think that's, that's actually stone. But then upstairs they've got um, the workshop. And, yeah, just just oh, to that you know too, there yeah. are description cards in several oh. languages for each piece of the exhibition. Yeah, that's right, around so, the hall. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, look upstairs. Yeah, um, it's the workshop, as I said. Yeah, there's an exhibition of the technical processes of Petrodura works through history. Their pedal power workstations with historical tools. Yeah. That was fascinating yeah, in historic itself. Historic tools, not yeah. tools. What did I say? Tools. Tool. Tools. tools, that's correct. Yeah, your tool. A wall full of semi-precious stones and where they are from all, yeah, all the over colours. the world. Yeah. yeah. And I've so, got a really nice picture, or a couple of pictures of, of that, so you can see the whole wall in a glass case, which, you know, has all the different, yeah, as you said, and then, you know, like the old the old wooden sort of work benches with they've got the saws and all that sort of stuff that they, they cut it with, you know. And and then um, they at the end they've got like a, a video um, playing and it just goes through exactly how they do this and that was fascinating and what I'm going to do is I'm going to put a link in the show notes to a video to show you exactly what we're talking about because you'll be blown away trust me it's it's fascinating and um yeah I, I you go and have a look you'll uh, the link will be in the show notes to see what all this um fuss is about yeah 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 um so basically it's based on the video basically says the work is painted the painting is traced the precious stones are selected the stones are cut set within a panel of marble and then the final bit is they're polished and buffed to a high shine well, they're glued together as well yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um yeah that's basically what the video says yeah. it's really impressive yeah and so, and there was no one there and there's always people lining up around the corner to go and see David, which was impressive. That's in the previous podcast. But this was also impressive. See? Yes. Sure. Well, we have been all through a cultural trip through the Pity Palace and the Bobbly Gardens and the Pietro Duro uh, Museum with all the amazing artworks there. And now it's time to take you. Well, actually, we're going to bring the tone right down. We're going to go back to the Joshua Tree Pub which is our favourite little pub, and tell you about when we got there this day, there was a game on television. And, yeah, there was. And, it, and it's called, oh, my gosh, it's called Calcio Storico. Now, we didn't know anything about this. We, we sat there and we're uh, having, a, having a drink. And honestly, maybe half an hour previous to us doing that, um, after we'd been out and about, we'd, we'd gone back to our apartment and, and you could hear this chanting and cheering and drums and, and um, I said to Lyle, that sounds like, you know, football supporters, you know, and 
so we, we go down, you know, to our little local and we're sitting there just in front of the TV and there's this game starting. And Lon and I were, what the heck? That wasn't the word we used. No, we didn't. But, you know, it's a family show. What, what is this game? And, you know, the barman could see our um, astonishment. astonishment. And he told us it's called Calcio Storico. Now, this is, um, what's the word? It, it's only in Florence they play this game. And it's a game that's originated in the Middle Ages in Italy. And they now have an annual tournament. There's thousands of fans, right? And so it's called Calcio Storico, which means historic football. And it's like a combination of rugby union, rugby league, um, and boxing. UFC. Yeah, um, martial arts, boxing, um, uh, just kicking. <laughs> it's it's it, it's got everything. So what happens is you get. That Florence is broken into four um, different regions. There's Santa Croce, which is uh, the the blue team. There's Santa Maria Novella, which is the red team, which was the area we were in, and they're actually the team that won the competition in 2023 this year. And then there's Santo Spirito, which is over where um, um, we went on our food tour. Yeah, they're, that's on the south bank. Yeah, they're, they're Bianchi or white. And then there's San Giovanni, which is green or verde, which is green, right? So this game, it, it's, as I said, it's been happening for years and years. But what they've done now is, you know, they've brought it in that there's that you play it once a year. The, Correct. The, the, and so they do a draw. So there's three games. Two, two teams play each other uh, one week and two teams play each other the next week this is in june every year and the winners of those two games play the final on the 24th of june every year okay so it wasn't the final we were there to see it was the first game so oh my gosh this game we're watching it and you know you 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 sit there and you go oh 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 you know people are getting punched and they're getting held down but what we did was we we um uh we watched a show on netflix now this show on netflix is called home game it's about um dangerous sports or different sports and the first first episode's all about calcio storico now we we didn't watch that till we till we got home but that's a really good place to go if you if you have any interest at all to see what it's about (laughs) to go and have a look wasn't it because it taught it tells you a bit more about it it's very um they're so parochial so oh yeah it's very very uh they're very proud yes to be involved in it so one guy that they that was in it, he's been playing for over twenty years. Yeah. He's now in his in his forties, and they are tough. Oh yeah. Oh my God, they are big, tough. But originally, it was for the rich aristocrats. Even the Pope's played. Pope Clement the Seventh played in the Vatican City. Crazy. I know, right? Um, so yeah, as I said, um, it was it sort of waned a little bit in the seventeenth century, probably because people were getting killed. I don't know. Um, but and they've had games cancelled because of tournaments, you know, because of the violence and injuries and even deaths. Like, sure. You're right. So, so what they've done now is the, there's a rule: you can't do any sucker punches. Yeah. And no kicks to the head. Interesting. I thought <laughs> I saw saw some of that, but. So the fields are, um, you know, like fifty by hundred meters. Yeah. They're played on sand and these games are played in a plaza right in the middle of um florence yep. you know and so they put up 
they just cover the the plaza in sand. Yeah. There's no grass. There's no um, there's no uh, soft place to fall when you when you're tackled. Uh, it's a fifty minute game. Yeah. Right. And there's twenty seven players a team. Yep. And no one gets paid. No, oh, they get a cow. The winning team gets. Yeah, a the cow. winning cow get, t- t- team gets a cow, but they don't even get to keep the, te- no, the cow. No. But there's no substitutes, even for injuries or you know. So and they wear, and they wear the traditional uniform. Yeah, yeah. like it's look to, to listen to the Netflix uh, documentary. It really just <laughs> showed you the uh, you know I suppose the culture. Yeah. And the love they have oh, for the, the traditions of Florence. Well, there's one guy that lives just out of Florence now, but he stayed in right in the centre of Florence in one of these four regions. When his son, so his son was born there. Yeah. So because you have to be born in the region to be part of it, you can't just be you know brought in or move regions. It's the region that you are born in. Yeah. There's no uh, draft. <laughs> no. Okay. So cannon fire starts the game, right? Mm. And then somehow there's a red and white ball that ends up on the field. There's like 15 forwards and I don't know three goalies I think and. When it starts, it's basically they're fighting, they're punching, they're kicking, they're wrestling, and by they're trying to any means necessary, you have to get the ball in the goal, and the goal goes the whole length of not the whole length, the whole width of the field. Yeah, that's right. right. Now, if you throw the ball and get it in, you get a goal, but yep. if you throw the ball and miss, the other team gets half a point. Correct. Right. So it's it's pretty tough. So what they do is, if you get tackled, someone takes you down, they stay on top of you. Until a goal scored, you can't get back up. So Correct. the idea is a bit like, I guess, um, American football. You're trying to get people out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Gridiron's probably the best um, example of current, you know, oh, football. Yeah. So I'm going to try and find a link to put to that game um, and in in the show notes. But I do have a video of us watching it uh, on the on the TV. It was it was uh, it was pretty. Pretty crazy. I've got to say, I was very, very, very surprised with Leanne's interest, e- interest in this particular sport. I thought it would be the last thing that Leanne would have been interested in, but I've never seen her <laughs> so That's excited. Not true. I just, I, it's unique to Florence. Sure. And it's historical, and yeah. I find that sort of stuff very yep, interesting. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, we do. All righty, Lyle, we've come to the end of our three podcast episodes about Florence. And um, haven't they been brought, like, wow, there's just so much to put in. We probably could have done a couple more, but we've we've covered everything and we hope that you've got some really good information out of, out of Florence. But so what we thought we'd do to finish this episode off, though, is um, do a, a summary of, of, of Florence. So um, you want to start with... with you know, it's a bit of your summary, Don. Yeah, I do. I think you've got to start with the Medici family. Right. I think um, would we have ever heard of names like Brunelleschi, Vasari, Caravaggio, Botticelli, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci, Raphael, Donatello, all the Ninja Turtles mm-hmm. without the money and power of the Medici's, you know, and the power, you know, they were that powerful. They were actually the first great uh, Dukes of Tuscany. They had four popes. They had two queens of France. Um, so they're basically um, Florence. 
Yeah, but you know, and I think that um, they, you know, the generosity. But of... they collected art and they commissioned art, and um, you know, so that they've got collections of art, and then they gave it to the city. Yeah, the generosity of Anna Maria um, Luisa de Medici. She gave the whole of the Afusi gallery to the people of Florence. Um, and it's that's like, just a gift that just keeps on giving. Well, Florence is really like an outdoor museum. You know, they've got statues and fountains and the outsides of buildings and the, the you know, the Ponte Vecchio, the bridges and the Fusi Gallery, you know, courtyard and, you know, the gardens and like, everywhere you go there's, you know, there's there's sculptures and artworks and, and buildings and architecture, you know, that, and it's and it's the thing I like about um Florence too, one of the things is it's walkable. It's a really, you know, you, you can walk around the city and find something new in every corner, you know. Um, I think that that's pretty special as well, yeah. Yeah, look, I, I've, I've found, you know, well, a newfound appreciation for the masters of these mm. uh, and of these craftsmanships, of these geniuses. I mean, it, it was mm. just incredible. Yeah, I came away from Florence definitely, you know, knowing more about art and the masters and the renaissance artists and and um and wanting to know more as well you know like almost feel like we need to get like a coffee table book you know with all the oh sure sure i would (laughs) definitely do that but one of the things that i suppose was an interesting fact in the catholic religion which the medicis were um part of there's a sin called ursary Mm -hmm. which and that and the sin is that you cannot lend money at over interest, you know, uh, unfair interest rates. Now I don't know how the Medici's got around it, but they obviously they did. did all that, or the mm. Pope had a, uh, turned a blind eye. Now you know, you sort of, th- I started thinking to myself, well, how much money would the Medici family be worth today? Mm. You know, you'd pro- he'd probably give. They'd probably give Elon Musk a run for his money. A run for his money, mm. I, I reckon. Um, what about like Tuscany? You know? uh, the world famous Tuscany mm-hmm. Hills. Yeah, the most famous hills in the world. Yeah, that's yeah. what that, that's what they say. <laughs> yeah. With its Chianti wine mm. region and Sangiovese right. grape variety, yeah. yeah, and the Chianina beef breed yeah. for the Florentine T-bone. Yeah, the Florentine steak. That's what it's known. And what about the Duomo? You know, like that the the Duomo in Florence. That still blows me away, you know, and I remember that the first time I saw that you know, and that plaza and the Baptist, baptistry and, and everything around there, you know. Um, what about the leather? You know, like it's got the finest leather in the world. Yep, Florence yeah. is recognised as the best producer of leather products in the world. Yeah. That's And I actually Googled that and, yeah. and, and I tried yeah. a couple of sources and they all came back with Italy. So, yeah. you know, I highly, I would highly recommend to mm. do the tours. Without mm. the tours, you'll have yeah. little understanding of the society of the time. Yeah. Their admiration for the rock stars yeah, of the their time, all the artists, all yeah. the masters, yeah. the acceptance of their master's sexual preferences. Mm. We wouldn't know that Michelangelo was disagreeable and a tight ass. Leonardo could write with but one hand and paint with the other mm. at the same time. Mm. Brunelleschi could be a little bit temperamental. Yeah, so you reckon we, you wouldn't know that without the guides. No. But let's go back to our, like, we're, we're talking about the summary of Florence. One of the th- other things is, you know, it's all this history, but there's the little edgy pubs that we went to, 
and little restaurants that you can find, you know, in the side streets. I think that's pretty remarkable. There's the Piazza Republica as well, Della Republica, you know, with the, you know, that that's very symbolic, symbolic of Florence. Talking about um, symbols of Florence, you know, you couldn't have a summary without talking about the Firenze symbol, which is the flower, the lily flower. Yeah. Yeah. The, and the purple um, colour. And that takes you to the football team. You know, they're big on their football team as well, which is a purple shirt. And, you know, that the, um, you know, people are closing their restaurants early to go and watch their team play football, you know. So that, that they're very, you know, as we said about the Calcio Storico as well, like they're, they're, they're very parochial. Um, with their their sporting teams in in Florence as well, yeah. Yeah. Look, the one thing that stood out for me mm. was the compassion and empathy of the volunteers of the confraternity of the Misericordia. Cordia. Yeah. Um, to help like, the sick, yep. the imprisoned, the homeless, and bury the dead, yep. and they are still going to this day, okay. and it's totally volunteered, and mm. it just to me showed you know, the style of people that were around in those days. And and part of that is is probably because of their freedom and their tolerance and their money that they could afford to do it. All right, so let's finish uh, with your quote about, you know, if... You oh, know, okay. Yeah, yeah. You want to give me that? All right. This is... <laughs> if... Fly, um, um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put him on the spot. Yeah. Um... Don't you remember what Florence, you're Florence, if if I had Florence in my hand. As a poker, if you're playing poker. If I was playing poker, that's, that's right. It. If I was playing poker and I had Florence in my hand, I would have the equivalent of a royal flush. There you go. It would be unbeatable. Unbeatable. All right. Quickly, though, last thing. All right. Where was your favourite place to have a glass of wine in all of Florence, Lyle? Quickly. Um, I've got, you've got to go to the... Um, uh, Vicchio Maggio, the Castillo. Oh, 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 you're in Tuscany. Well, okay. Right Florence on. is the capital oh, of Tuscany. Okay, that's cheating, but okay. All right. Well, I'm going to say my favourite place to have a wine actually in the city of Florence was uh, outside the in the in the Piazza Duomo, looking at the the Duomo. That doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, yeah, and uh, a cold beer at uh, Joshua, Joshua Tree Pub. Yeah, I'd say the best value restaurant in Florence was the La Grotto de Leo. Yes, yes. Um, the apartment we had was basically in a perfect location. Yeah. The the Florence itself is extremely walkable. Yeah, I said that. Okay, sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I think we've I think we've just about covered everything. Yeah, well, see, you threw me off when you asked me about what my saying was. I wasn't ready for that, <laughs> so I missed that bit. But oh, anyway, look, right. it, it was okay. it is fabulous. It is. So it's. Um, hope you've enjoyed our Florence episodes. Um, please share them with anyone that you know is going to Italy or or visiting Florence. Check out the show notes. Go to the link in the show notes episode 64 to see all the pictures and videos and our Instagram at Beach Travel Wine at the story highlights for Florence and you'll see all these things that we've been talking about and uh, we'll see you next time. So it's goodbye from me. Arrivederci.